Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Surf Splendor. This is the voice of David Scales. In case you have forgotten what I sound like in the last three weeks that I've abandoned you, um, we're back. I'm bringing you a supersized episode today to try to make up for that abandonment and um, got some other stuff I'll lay on you in coming weeks to make up for it as well for the downtime. But nevertheless, I'm here with an episode of Surf News with Scott Bass for April 12, 2017. Kind of right in between the Margaret River Pro and the Bells event on the WSL side of things. And then tons of other stuff has gone on in surfing. Um, And surprising that with all that has gone on in surfing, it takes Scott and I about 15, at least 15 minutes to get into actual surf talk. So if you hate our banter about um, music, documentaries, haircuts, all that jazz, tea and coffee preferences. Skip the next 15 minutes of this show and go straight into the surf news at about the 16-minute mark now with this preamble. Um, or enjoy. Sit back, kick back, and enjoy the banter. All right? You know surfsplendorpodcast.com is the website, and then at surfsplendor is the Instagram account, and then, of course, facebook.com forward slash surfsplendor. But I think Instagram is where all the action happens. Uh, it's easiest for me. That's a great way to communicate and make sure I actually catch all the comments um, because I get notified, obviously. And then um, just seems like that's where all the surfing world, that's the preferred social media platform for the surf world. That's a fact. All right. Uh, enjoy the show. I will be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks for listening. Yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. We had to get into at least one bit of the chorus there. Welcome, everybody, Downline Surf Talk Radio. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales with you here on a Wednesday, April 12th, 2017. And, um, yeah, it didn't take me long to say, um. Been a long time since I've seen you, Scott. (laughs) It's been forever, dude. (laughs) How long has it been? been? Like three weeks. We've been getting complaints. Been neglecting our fan base. We apologize. There's yeah. really no excuse except let me give you one. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Um, I'm unaware of this excuse. Lay it on me. Well, my excuse is that you know the California Gold Surf Auction is coming up and the Boardroom International Surfboard Show all less than three weeks away, and I've been, I've been, uh, it's been crazy. This is crunch time for you. Crunch time, yes. Crunch um, time indeed. In reference to the intro music, Wings. Yes. Okay. Paul McCartney and favorite. Wings. Favorite Beatle post Beatles, who is it? George Harrison. Yeah, you think so? Well, that's me. You yeah. know, he does a lot of he does those spiritual songs that are really moving. You know, um, My Sweet Lord. Um, he does another one I can't remember the name of, but I'm a big George Harrison guy because, you know, he really transcended. I mean, he. I don't know. I just I'm on the same. Pl- I try to. I want to be on the same plane as him as far as ethereal, spiritual, global, like 
50,000 foot level, what is life about? It's not really this. That's one of the songs, What is Life, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So anyway, but I love Paul McCartney and I love Wings. Wings is kind of an interesting band. It had a bunch of different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Incarnations. Thank you. It had a bunch of different incarnations, different um, guitar players and, and all of them pretty good. And uh, sort of an interest. if you Wikipedia the Wings the band. There's some pretty cool, interesting facts. Are you a it. contributor to that Wikipedia no, page? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a contributor to much, quite um, frankly. So I w- started watching this Joe Cocker documentary on Netflix. Yes. Mad Dog uh, with Soul, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And that's an interesting guy where it's like, I've always felt, um, you'll hear Beatles cover songs all the time, you know, and there was a film back in the mid-2000s, I Am Sam with Sean Penn, where they did the entire soundtrack was all Beatles covers by contemporary artists. And I think they were actually trying to get the Beatles rights to license the music for the film. Thanks, Yoko. Couldn't make it happen. Right, yeah, thanks. Couldn't make it happen. So like within two weeks, pulled together this alternative plan, which was let's get Ben Harper, let's get... um, uh, whoever you know, yeah, whoever Sean could pull in, it's, yeah, it's legit to do the this whole album of covers. But anyways, my point is, it's blasphemy. You can't have Sarah McLaughlin cover Blackbird. Yeah. You know what? I, like you, I know. you, Blackbird is perfect. So that said, I watched the Joe Cocker documentary, and he does. She came in through the back through bathroom window, pretty famously. Yes. Little Help from My Friends was one of his biggest hits when he yes. started off. And it's like, those are actually kind of the definitive versions now. Especially she came in through the bathroom window. Like, Cocker's version is phenomenally good because he he kind of does a different, not a different orchestration of it, but just he's got more soul. It's the same arrangement probably, yeah. but like he just has so much soul you know yeah it brings up an interesting question about cover songs and who what bands do good cover songs and he does you know it, uh, here's the thing for me cover songs i want it to be as close to the original with maybe a little bit of the you know that person's own flair which is what joe cocker has done I, right see, you I sense some sincerity in his voice it's not like all right, I'll cover the song. And- his voice is so unique that it becomes his own. But to your point, you want to hear it be somewhat like the original? I don't know. There's two ways to do it. There's a way to just kind of... Well, you don't want to butcher the original. I, I mean, and look, everybody's got their own opinion about this, right? So you don't want to butcher the original. And I just think that it's a very fine art, and it's one that's often muddied. You know, there's only a few yeah. people that do it right. Yeah. It's specific to the song more than the band, I think. Like, there's some songs... I don't know. Well, let me let me say this. There's Beatles. The Beatles covered some some legendary rock and roll artists. One of whom died a couple of weeks ago. Name him. I'm Chuck not, Berry. Okay. The Beatles cover, covered covered um, some Chuck Berry songs and did a pretty good job of it. You know, for White Boys from Liverpool. I think I can relate. I don't play an instrument. I don't sing, but I can relate to the muse, uh, musicians in that. When you hear a song you like, you just want to sing it. And if I could play an instrument, I would want to play it and sing along with it. So I understand the impulse to want to cover. But once you make an album about it, you know, then I think, uh, and you're asking people to buy it, then I don't know. There's there's two schools of thought. You try to replicate it or you try to give your own spin on it. Actually, Annie Lennox, her second album was called Medusa and it's all covers. And she does Neil Young's. Don't let us don't let me bring you down. Hmm. Are you familiar with that? No, I don't think it's I am. It's really really good. But again, her own 
rendition of it completely you know yeah. like you don't even think of the neil young song when you hear it yeah um so and she has a wider shade of pale on that album so i went and saw two cover bands since we last uh, did the show wow who knew yeah and uh <laughs> it's very fitting for this conversation it is yeah this non so one of them was this band called mustache harbor Ooh, Which who was, would they be covering? <laughs> Let me figure this one out. Let me just put their category is Yacht Rock. Okay. Right? I'm, I love the category. Okay. So, so I've got they, a Yacht Rock playlist on my Spotify. Do you really? Yeah. I didn't even know such a category existed. Oh, I'll pull up some of the songs, but go ahead. Okay. So they covered um, all these songs that I'm embarrassed to say that I sort of liked. That's so, the beauty so, of Yacht Rock. So I went to the Belly Up Tavern and Mustache Harbor is opening for Super Diamond, who's doing Neil Young covers or Neil Diamond covers. Right. Excuse me. And um, this Mustache Harbor, they come out and they're just so over the top yacht rock. They all have mustaches. They're all wearing white. They're all wearing polyester. They're all wearing like 1977 suits, mm-hmm. basically. And they cover hollow notes. They cover it's a great yacht rock hollow notes. She's a rich girl. Yes, all, the, all of this. Like, yeah. They cover basically. I can't go for that. Yes, that's exactly. Thank you. Yeah, Fle- and, it, it, and it was embarrassing, but I was kind of going. I, the, the sad thing is, I knew every song, and, and you I think kind of like it. Yeah, you kind you almost forced to like it because you heard it so many times. And oh, by the way, the most interesting thing is the place is packed with like forty yeah. year old cougar chicks from Rancho Santa Fe, totally wives that are just to the hilt, dressed to the nines, in the front row, singing every song, just screaming and going crazy. And these yacht, these this mustache harbor group is just like they're just killing. Of it. course, like, they're just like panties are being thrown at. Yeah, that is the definition of yacht rock. Is like obviously you're, it's something you would play on the yacht, but really for me, it's more when the song comes on, you roll. You're like you roll up your windows. Turn the volume up and you just start singing your heart out. Because like you said, there are songs that you know and that you loved. But to be honest, you haven't heard them in maybe 10 years. Christopher Cross's Sailing. Exactly. You know, and you're just like, what? I love this song. And you you know every single word and it brings you back to some part in your childhood. There's like a nostalgia element. The Little River Band. Oh, that's per- reminiscing. That's right. that's the example. So they did they did all these, and like I said, here's another my, part here's, of that definition. By the way, is, I'm here's a little, my favorite. Okay, you go. Right? I don't even. They weren't that good to play Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood, dude. This is. I don't know if this is yacht rock. No, I'm, I know this is I'm, straight up good. You're saying this is too good. It's it's too good and it's too late. Like that's like ninety five or something. Nine? No, uh, I don't know. Kidding? High life. They know. had yachts in ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> to me, yacht rock is like from seventy five to eighty five. Okay, fair but enough. But anyway, so I saw this band. It was mind blowing. Um, Mustache Harbor, and I'll tell you what was really interesting about it was all the musicians in this band were really really good, and the lead guitar player was insane. And you could tell that they were almost bummed that they were in this genre. Because at the end of some of the songs, the lead guitar player, at, like they would, the drummer would hit the hi hat, end the song, and then the lead guitar player would go into some insane, like four bars of super tight Zeppelin, mm. where you're like, oh my god, this guy wants to play some really killer rock and roll right now, you mm. know? Like, and the same guy, and then of course after four bars they would just end it, and the song would end, and you're like, oh my god, I thought they were going to go into that song. 
the same guy, they did um, Hotel California, which is sort of a Yacht Rock opus. It's almost too rock and roll for Yacht Rock. I right? agree. That doesn't fit the genre. Yeah, but, go ahead. but they did it. Yeah. And the lead guitar player, the only guitar player, well, no, they had another guy. But anyway, the guitar player, the main guy, absolutely nailed the lead the, at the end of Hotel California. Note for note, Joe Walsh fully nailed it tight. And the other musicians were really good. And my point is, is that you felt like they... I felt sorry for them, that they mm. couldn't break out of... I mean, how many times have they played Hall & Oates, you know? Yeah, well, the thing is, they probably all are in other bands aspiring to do something legit, but the Yacht Rock gig pays. Well, he's, yeah, you maybe. Gotta, you always got to go down oh, to the pays. lowest common denominator. Yeah. Uh, here's, my, here's a deep cut off the Yacht Rock playlist. Okay. okay? Better be embarrassing. It's embarrassing, and can you name the artist is the question for you. You know the song. All right. My time up? No. Got to get to the chorus. Okay, yeah, thanks. thanks. Once you get past the pain. I'm not sure who the artist is. I mean, I could take a wild guess. And, it's a one-hit wonder as far uh, as I know. I probably don't know the guy, right? Pablo Cruz. Oh, uh, Pablo Cruz. Yeah, okay. That's kind of a Yacht Rock name. It's oh, no. Cruz pa- right Pablo in the Cruz title. Pablo Cruz is total Yacht Rock. But the, his name alone. Well, it's not. It's That's not. A, that's the name of the band. There's no guy named oh, Pablo Cruz, really? right? No, no, no. Let me get on Facebook. There's a guy named Pablo Cruz no, somewhere. A, no, the band is not, There's no guy named Pablo in that band. I guarantee you that. <laughs> well, okay. So listeners. What is this show about? By the way, listeners have been following. I do have a Spotify playlist for Surf Splendor with every song ever used in Surf Splendor. So listeners have been following that and sending me notes on it. If you this playlist is attached to that account, oh it's called. We actually a friend of mine uh, started it and labeled it Gene Jams. It's not actually labeled Yacht Rock, but if listeners want to follow that playlist, it's Gene Jams. You can find Pablo Cruz on there. Uh, speaking of music, went to a concert on Tuesday and got recognized by a fan oh, yeah? of the show, and it wasn't even a surf contest, and it was thirty miles from the coast. Was it the chop hop that did it? it? Might have been. Like, he look didn't at say, that guy's chop hop. He didn't say anything about the. Chop but like I was sitting on a sofa outside like uh, upstairs and it's HB Sean on Instagram I wanted to give him a shout out but it was like I was in conversation and he just walks up and he's like dude oh my gosh I listen to your podcast I was like what because it wasn't even it was a Cigaros concert not even surf band related well let me ask you this your your the other things you do the surf splendor stuff yeah um, do you put pictures of yourself in that? Oh, no, people see that's video, isn't people, it? No, it's not. It's oh. audio only, but people see it on Instagram. That's okay. a thing. For like yeah. the first two years of doing this show, I never posted any photos of myself. And then I was talking to somebody and they're like, dude, you got to post photos. Like, that's the world we're living in. So I've started incorporating. That's an inter- interesting thing. I would, you know, like think about that, right? Is that the best way to go? I mean, it's too late now, but. Is, is the idea the sort of the beauty is that we that you have some anonymity with radio you yeah know, totally. like you know 
So I'm sure it's too late for you to figure that out, but um, it's still there's a trust sense me. of mystery, you know. Like, what does this guy look like? Every time, like, there's this guy Art Bell. I don't know if you're familiar with Art no. Bell. Well, he was on the radio forever, and he was this really famous occult like um, radio show that he did on late night. Like, uh, it was on like Saturday night from midnight to four, and it had this huge following. And he would talk about extraterrestrials and ghosts and the afterlife and. Hmm. Just crazy cool stuff, and he had this really cool voice, and and it just had this massive following. But I never knew what Art Bell looked like, but right. I heard his voice, and I knew his yeah. voice, and I, so I had this image of him, right? Where like people totally. have uh, pictures, perhaps of us in their mind's eye, that may or may not be correct. And so that mystery is kind of a neat thing. It is. Uh, I will say my vanity plays a role, and it was pretty rad to get recognized. So now I want to get recognized. You know, it was like, oh my god, that was really gratifying, and not and to be honest, gratifying because of you're being validated for the work that you do. You know, it's like, we've done a lot of hard work. And if somebody just came up and said, hey, I like your jacket, that doesn't feel very good. Or even if you were good looking, like, hey, you look good. Like, I don't care. But the fact that we put in years worth of work and then somebody validates the work and says, hey, I appreciate the hard work. That's that's yeah. what's validated. No, you're right. It is um, cool. But I got, I wanted to read this comment on uh, iTunes. It was a review that was left on April 3rd. Brian K. said, come for the chop hop, stay for the witty banter. <laughs> Always makes me want to get in the water. Oh, that's cool. I thought that was super funny. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Brian. Yeah, but super cool, too. I, one thing that a number of people have said that he just said is it makes him want to get back in the water. That's a funny thing. Like when I watch surf videos, I want to go surf, but I never would have thought that the podcast would inspire people to go shred, you know, but it's cool. Yeah. Um I'm not sure that listening to the, to podcasts, but yeah, whatever. Good. Thank what, you. Are you for, arguing with Brian? You're I am. Telling I'm saying Brian, not allowed to go shred that's, now? That's, <laughs> no. Good for you, Brian. Uh, go, sh- go shred the gnar. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're 16 minutes deep into the show and we haven't even mentioned surfing, what would you like to chat about? Um, well, <laughs> I've got an email here from Herbert Cognac. I think I'm saying that right. Not enough Herberts anymore. Herbert. I wonder if he goes by Herbert. Let me scroll down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to guess he goes by Herb. Let me see here. No. He's got a very interesting name. Herbert Vinicius Caniac. And I'm sure I butchered the crap out of that. His middle name is Vinicius. V-I-N-I-C-I-U-S. Vinicius Caniac. Herbert. And uh, he's a seaman on board a boat somewhere. But I'm going to read a little bit. It says, hey, 41 years old. Oh, Herba. A.K.A. Herba. He goes by Herba. Started surfing 30 years ago. Um, Back in the day, I took a lot of shit just for being a surfer, a vagabond. I loved everything about the lifestyle. It was pure. We did it just for the rush of it. And I've dedicated my life to searching for waves. I dropped out of school, traveled around the world for waves, and lived the life. We used to smoke tons of pot camping in every stretch of coast of Australia. I hope I'm, I better not read this on there. It gets worse or better, depending on how you. He gave his name like five times. Well, I've never read this. I'm just reading this this photo too. I'm reading this for the first time right now. Anyway, point is this guy's been around the world and has lived quite an extensive life of, uh, fun and debauchery and i won't read any more of his email regarding that but use your imagination the guy's name is herb of course herba herba um but it looks like he quit surfing why i quit surfing i can't stand the little fuckers who can't bottom turn and carve properly suddenly coming flying over you highlining the wave face to find a ramp to do shit spinning air and blowing it 
wannabes trying hard to do shit nonsense moves, misreading the waves or the essence of that energy. Wow. So, I, look, it's a nice long email. Uh, I don't want to get too far into it, but uh, he's, he ends it by saying, am I a hippie? Am I a hypocrite, grumpy bastard? Maybe. Got some work to do on deck right now. He's working on a boat. Thanks and good luck. Send you some pics from distant happy times. Well, Herba, thank you for the email. And I apologize for not reading it prior to going into it. But uh, suffice to say that um, if you give me the green light, perhaps I can read the whole thing next time. What are your thoughts on that? Um Number one, giving up surfing is something we don't hear very often unless it's like an injury or something. And then secondly, do it the reason being because young rascals are can't who can't bottom turn well, you know, bombing you out. I sense that as, as I read through this, he's done everything. Like he's done it all. He's been to Neos, he's been to everywhere, he's surfed, you know, he's done all the adventures. You know what I mean? Like he's He's got a book, Cave Rock, Cape St. Francis, Jeffrey Bays, Sharky Surfing, Durban, Hitchhiking, you know, No Money in My Pocket, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's done that move, which is sort of the classic move of from the 70s and 80s or, you know, just as a youngster, really, even today, if you're 21 years old, you know, you you throw your board in a bag and a couple bucks and you go. And and I think after 30 years, you know. I will say this. He he works on a boat. He works on the ocean. There's probably some solace in that, some sense of adventure, some sense of spirituality that you get from the ocean. Whatever surfing was providing for you, Maybe. he's now getting it out of sailing. Maybe. And you know what? It's hard to surf when you get older. you got to stay on it. Yeah. And I do at, at times understand the um, – you know, the kids flying around and flying over you and maybe being what you might consider disrespectful or whatever. But I, I think all of that is the story you tell yourself. Every day it we're is. allowed That's to, to tell say. ourselves a story about what's happening in our lives, you know. And we, we luckily, we get to editorialize our lives. You know, I get yeah. to wake up and go, you know what? Let's make today a good day. Let's be positive. Let's be of service to people. Let's be kind and generous and tolerant and loving. Can I do that today? Maybe for a couple of minutes, you know. Can I pull that off without being selfish and self-centered and so, speaking of editorializing your life, who would play Scott Bass in the film biography of Scott Bass? Um, probably Owen. What's the guy's name? <laughs> Wilson. Owen Wilson. I was going to go Nick Cage because of the voice. Oh, that's right, Nick Cage. You got Nicholas Cage. I don't know voice. who they would cast. Owen Wilson's a good one. Dude. It is. Kind I of didn't hard. really think about. I think. That, Owen, yeah, Owen Wilson's good probably, call. Yeah. Well, I, I think I'm going to argue with Herba, even though he has way more life experience than I do and years in the books. Uh, dude, you got to dig in. You got to like w- the resistance you're feeling from the groms and the grumpiness that you're feeling. You got to fight against that and dig in deeper. Like sur- that surfing will provide for you the respite that you need that all, all of the um, anxiety that it's giving you, it can actually be the relief from all of that if you allow it to be and the only thing that needs to change is your perspective so don't let those kids bum you out and all the work involved in the cold water waking up early waking up early gives you a reason to go through the rest of your day getting in that cold water energizes you to push through the other challenges that you have and don't go don't surf with those kids cruise down the beach catch a one foot ankle high wave on a 10 foot board and just reset everything yeah, I agree with all that. And I will add, um, 
keep your expectations low. You know, for me, I, I often tell people, in fact, I ran into John Gothard yesterday at Swami's. We were crossing our paths. He was coming in. I was going out. He goes, yeah, you know what? It's going to be, it's fun out there. You know? And I was like, you know what? It's already a win for me. I'm just going out to rinse off. Mm-hmm. If I catch a couple waves, killer. You know, and that's just about editorializing the experience, you know, like if it's already, if it's a win-win because you're, you're grateful that you're in the ocean, yeah. then everything else is, is gravy, right? And the kids thing, hoot for them. Be stoked for them. I found that when I'm, when I'm like, yeah, and I'm screaming them on and I'm hooting out loud for them, everything's groovy. But when I'm like, you know, grumpy old guy, that's yeah. which I can be often, things aren't so groovy, you know? Yeah. So it's just a matter of a editorializing your session yeah the other day i actually um was trying to find somewhere to surf and it was just the tide's been super high in the morning and the sand was all funky and i pulled up to the final spot on my list of places to check and it was like man it looks so crappy out there but i had the perspective that you had where it's like you know what i want to rinse off like I had a late night last night. I need this grime off of me, and it's going to feel good just to shock my system with the cold water. I'm going to go out there and catch one wave, you know, and that's that was the only goal. Get in the sunlight, get in the cold water, rinse off. Ripping on a wave isn't even the goal anymore. It's just going through those motions. And then, of course, I catch one wave, and I'm like, oh, that was fun. I'll paddle back out and get a few more, you know. So had a blast. Even cool. though the waves looked terrible. Yeah. You know. Um, I got another email about our surf trip that we're planning that I have faith that David's planning for us. We're going to be more, get more involved in the surf trip planning soon. As soon as we, well, you. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, Camille Wojcic Chowsewicz. Hey guys, I'm from the Netherlands. I listened to your show for three years. I love it. I'm not a great surfer, but I love the sport. I try my best on my longboard. I heard about your idea of a surf trip and loved it. Please keep me updated. I would really consider it. Greetings from Holland. Camille. So thank you for the email, Camille, and uh, thanks for putting that back on our radar. David's going to make that happen for us, I can tell. All right. Thanks for that. Um, so we got Drug Aware, Margaret River Pro, Bells Just Started, Big Wave World Tour news. Where do we begin? Oh, my God. I got so much to talk about. Okay. Um, I got a text from you going, hey, guess who broke the Big Wave World Tour news? And I was like, I didn't even hear the news at that point. That no, you and I was the first news. Remember I had told you that that the Big Wave World Tour, we talked about it on this podcast, that the Big Wave World Tour was going to go to three events. Yeah. I named the three events. I broke the news right here before oh, it came Oh, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You I remember thought, that? Yeah, but then you sent me a text between then and now, and I thought that there was some new news. No, no, no. It you was were just, just saying, now it's not released. You and I WSL. broke the news right. okay. two weeks before it was released. Got it. Got we it. told you that yeah. stepping down... Three events, all that stuff. They're down to three events. Um, five contests got cut. Punta oh, Lobos got cut. Pico Alto got cut. Punta Galea, Nell Scott Reef, and Toto Santos got cut. The three events that remain are Nazare, Jaws, and Puerto Escondido. Right. Those are the three marketable events or the three um, simple events yeah. from, from a T&E standpoint, like yeah. from an expense standpoint, right. they're they're good for production. They make all the sense in the world. Let's just do they're three gonna events. They're going to run. Yeah. yeah. There's no risk of them not running. And then the other big news in that story was that um, Pete Mel stepped down from being the commissioner and Mike Parsons is actually the new Big Wave World Tour commissioner, yeah. which is, of course, a great fit. Absolutely. Couldn't have. Couldn't Absolutely. Have now, I have, some, I have some down low WSL news that I'll share with you. Break it, from dude. one of my many sources in the parking lot, in the back parking lot of the 
back areas of the surf world. Okay. Um, so, you know, Paul Speaker stepped down. So they're looking for a CEO. So I have some insight into what the job description, um, what, for instance, the headhunter who's looking for this okay. person is going to where ask do, where for. Where do you find this job listing? <laughs> it's not a job listing. This is deep, dark like deep web, dark web shit. <laughs> so a lot of this on is on the silk road. A lot of this. Is, yes. Thank you. A lot of this is going to be obvious. You have to have like a dot CN yeah. <laughs> account to yeah. figure this shit out. You got to scramble your IP address and all uh-huh. that. Exactly. Yeah. This is kind of like borderline Russian hacking shit. Okay. So they're looking to increase revenue. Okay. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Right. Um, they want to wrap up media rights. They're looking for somebody that can bring an upshot into e-commerce. These are all ways they're going to increase revenue. Media rights, e-commerce, they need somebody to help them create premium subscription content. Okay. And to ramp up event ticket sales. So the, the, the CEO that's qualified will have experience in getting Revenue out of media rights, e-commerce, premium subscription content, and event ticket sales. It's kind of interesting, those things, right? The individual they hire would also assist in additional capital investment. Mm -hmm. So do they have connections? Are they networked? Can they bring in some players? This individual would be involved in licensing wave pools at $25 million a pop, not building them, licensing the wave pool. $25 25 million. Um, obviously, these wave pools are going to be targeted towards billionaires and countries competing in the Olympics. So you have to have an international flair and be connected to connections that have connections to billionaires. The ideal candidate must understand and live the surf lifestyle, at least own a surfboard, is what it says. <laughs> That's all you got to do to understand and live the surf lifestyle. You must at least own a surfboard. What if you checked all the other boxes and then you're like, crap, let's make a run to Costco real quick just to buy that wave storm. That wave storm, which is like the plastic bottle of the surfboard. I am a billionaire with worldly connections, but I don't own a surfboard. So I better go do that. I was thinking about wave storm. It would be so cool if somebody, some artist, some graphic artist, had a picture of a guy walking down the beach with the wave storm on his head, carrying it on his head, and the wave storm somehow looked took the form of a plastic bottle. Because that's basically what the wave storm is. It's like if you buy a wave storm, you just bought a case of plastic bottles and you're throwing them into the ocean. Yeah. Okay, enough about that. Ideal candidate must understand the surf lifestyle, own a surfboard. He must have a strong digital bra- background. He must be authentic and low ego. <laughs> no wonder they got rid of speaker. No, just kidding. Love that guy. Comfortable working for company owned by a family. Makes sense. Ziff, right? Preferably someone who knows how to surf or at least owns a surfboard. Okay, that's again. And then the final thing that I'm hearing is that the family, Ziff, right? Ziff's goal is to grow the company for the next two to three years and then sell the WSL. So look for the WSL to be for sale in 2020 maybe sooner depending on if the ceo is found and pulls off this stuff but i think as soon as they get it to a place where they're like pull the trigger let's get out of here of course yeah sooner the better but that's pretty that's breaking that's some breaking parking lot stuff it's very big news um 
who is that? I mean, can I send my resume in? Where do I? Do you have an email address? Where do we send? <laughs> I mean, this? yes, send it. Send it to. Uh, I don't know who's in charge over there. Maybe it's Graham Stapleberg. There's I don't a, know. There's a couple things that I qualify for. Like I don't mind working for a family. You I own a surfboard. I own a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> Are those things weighted more heavily than the categories of being able to like raise a billion dollars in capital? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Who's the candidate? Who's yeah, the right I was going to say, I'm not sure who fits that. Um, there's there's probably quite a few guys. I, they're just not, they don't run in the, the low level circles that I run in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, you know, know, there's probably some MBA types that are from, that live in New York that are, that I'm sure there's a bunch of connected people that are. <laughs> well, let's keep, it's kind of like you figured that Ziff would know this guy, though. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. But that's why they have headhunters. You know, this is copy yeah, from the headhunter. That again, this is on the. This was. This isn't something you're going to find on a job site. This is high level. Yeah. Shit. So what's interesting is the model that they are trying to build. I can't think of another organization that actually runs under that model. Like the premium subscription service exists certainly in the podcast world. It exists, but it exists in the modern digital media world. But then selling tickets to events exists in an entirely separate world like sporting events and music concerts and that sort of thing. Combining both of those models, I can't think of another platform where anybody's doing that. Well, here's a, here's a place where I think they could sell tickets. They could sell tickets to the XXL Awards. They don't, I don't think. I think it's all industry stuff. I would think that where they're trying to sell tickets to is surf events. Right. I'm just saying right now, today, yeah. tomorrow, like sure. next week is the big wave double XL awards at the Anaheim at the yeah. you know, where the Mighty Ducks play. Yeah. And they could sell tickets to that. Is it at the Grove? Uh yeah, it's either yeah, yeah it's at the Grove or the Anaheim Honda Center. I think it's at the it's Grove. Not, not the Honda Center. It's too big. Anyway, you could sell tickets to the Grove or you could move it to the Honda Center. Yeah, and sell tickets and to sell the tickets. Yeah. And I bet you could you know, if you marketed it and you you had a meet and greet with the surf sure. pros and all that. I mean, there's a million Eight million people in Southern California, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, event ticket sales. Um, where would you? Where? Which venue could you sell tickets in? in? Huntington Beach, obviously, like the well, U.S. Open for sure. I don't know, but see, my feeling there is that it's been free forever. It's hard to kind of close the gate on that. You that know? applies no matter where you're right. talking about. That I know. So that's that's like yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, maybe one of the big wave world tour events. How is that going to go over in Portugal? You got to pay to watch. And how is that going to go over in Jaws on Maui, where these guys have put their life in and they surf it and they're watching their friends surf it all the time? And then the event comes to town and people show up and they go, "Hey, you can't come to your own backyard." So the and idea, watch the event, the idea then is think about the NFL. What they do for the Super Bowl is they have an, an NFL fan experience. So what you need to do is set up fan experiences somewhere. And maybe it's in LA. Maybe it's there's venues where it makes tons of sense where there's a big population base and you're like, you know, 25 bucks gets you into the Jaws fan experience. And yeah. it's just, you know, you put on this huge party and you make it so, hey, yeah, I went. It was killer. I'd go again. 25 bucks. Are you kidding me? Killer. Yeah. You know, tons of big screens, special stuff that you get, you know, whatever it is. That's the right. CEO guy's job is to figure it out. But well, does an NFL fan experience for 25, 35, 40 bucks, there's going to be bands. Yeah. You know, like, well, this, this bottleneck that you and I are running into with this concept dovetails perfectly with the wave pool idea, which is 
look, we can't control the crowds at Jaws and the U.S. Open. What we can do yes. is license these wave pools to be built and then build a fan experience around that. Yes. That's so the, that's, that's the, the only model. way, really. That's the model. Yeah. So maybe they license five of these things, and before they're even built is when they decide to sell the WSL. They're like, look, we're building the foundation. Now these contracts are in place. We have all this revenue to come. Now we flip it. Well, the problem that they may face is there's more than one wave pool company. For instance, right. in Austin, Texas, who's to say that Doug Kors doesn't say, hey, let's let's invite guys that aren't on tour. Let's have our own event. And, and, and I mean, if he makes it free because he's going to make money off of concessions, let's say, or T-shirt sales, he's like, yeah, just come in for free and watch the pros in this contest. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, the cat's out of the bag. There's free events that you can go to. Granted, they're not WSL caliber surfers, so maybe they lose some of the... Guess what, though? The WSL doesn't own the best surfers. I mean, they, they do to an extent, but they don't have Albie Layer. They don't have all these yeah, other guys. I Jamie would, O'Brien. I would argue guys that might go to Austin to watch pro surfing don't know who Albie Layer is, but they do know who Kelly Slater is. They do know who John John Florence is. In other words... So that's they a, haven't been marketed it as well. They as haven't, the, but that's but, a real. They know who Dane Reynolds is. Yeah. So they, 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 yeah. that's that's a Maybe. very delicate thing that the WSL is going to have to keep control on, and obviously they've been trying to. But look at Red Bull did that wave pool event in Wales a year or two ago, where the waves are terrible, and I think Albie Layer actually won that event. But they did exactly what you said. They just it's open for free. It's a Red Bull thing, just like all the other Red Bull things that they do in every other sport, and it's all for free. Come and watch it. Now, if WSL we always bring up Red Bull as the counterpoint to the WSL because they do such good work. And if the WSL is gonna create this in addition to that, the premium subscription content. So what is that gonna be? Is that gonna be Laird Hamilton's documentary that we've heard about? Is that gonna be all these other video, it's got to be video content more than anything, and they're going to charge you a premium to watch that? Well, what about Red Bull stuff? Red Bull stuff is all for free on their website, and it's amazing. You can watch Ian Walsh's film there. You can watch Let's Be Frank there. You can watch the Ripple Effect series there. You can watch Jamie O'Brien's series there, which I don't recommend. But, <laughs> but you know, no, it's kind of right. like... Premium subscription content is a tough one. It's just a super tough one to crack. Yeah. It's, there's too much killer free content out there. When it comes to video content, for sure there is. What's the one thing they could sell that you'd buy? What's the one thing the WSL would sell that I could buy? That you'd want to okay. buy? Okay. I've, I've got an answer. How about event coverage? That's it. I would watch. Pipe Masters. I would watch those Did you events. pay? Yeah. If I would just, subscribe if, if once they, a year. They put a gate on the Pipe Masters. You can't watch unless you pay. I don't even, not necessarily live. No, I mean, not necessarily like on the beach. Like I would pay to watch it online. No, that's what I mean. It's yeah. going to be premium subscription content yeah. online. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. 60 How bucks much? a year. 60 bucks a year gets you all the events? Yeah. Huh. What would you feel comfortable with? I'm going to call them and get like a media pass. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically. Know. 60 bucks is fair. Totally. If it gives you the ability to heat analyze and all that. It's, but what about pirating though? Everybody's just going to be ripping it off and Yeah. I you mean, know what I mean? Like yeah, it's sure. gonna get pushed around. It's I mean, you're gonna find the content pretty quick. Well, look at the way the UFC's done that though. I mean the UFC's done a great job of protecting their live coverage. And 
I used to be, I don't know, let's say five years ago, I could go on the internet that night and find video clips of the fight that yeah. was for 60 bucks on pay-per-view. And one, and then the next day it might be on YouTube for half the day, and then UFC would find that and take it down, and then I'd have to find a new link or whatever. What they, what I've noticed now, the workaround is, is on Instagram Live video on the night of a UFC fight, I'll pull up Instagram Live and go to the Explore section, and there'll be some random dude in a bar that he paid five dollars to get into, and he's streaming it on his phone live. The guy has two hundred followers on Instagram, and he has. 8,000 people watching his live stream from right. the bar, you know? Right. Uh, and you could, and he's w- streaming. And so I don't know, like the UFC always has to find, they're always going to get out hacked. The right. hackers are always a little smarter than their prevention team. Right. But then. Well, the, you know, the, a, a good example or something to, to possibly look at as a model in some regards is the Masters. The Masters doesn't let you, ha- I don't think they let you bring cell phones into the Masters at Augusta okay. National during the tournament. Okay. Um, so they do a pretty good job of locking it down. Yeah. In fact, Thursday, the first round of the masters, you can only watch online. It's not on TV. Yeah. And maybe there's something there. You know, I think there's little bits. You're right. You're always going to be behind the eight ball, but there's ways that you can try to put a pretty solid, uh, firewall around it. Yeah. You, but you have to also be continuously evolving the model. You do. And, but there, and there's guys like you and me. They're like, I'm not going to hassle trying to find the Instagram live guy. I'm just going to pay the 60 bucks. It depends what the number is. So like I have a pain threshold, you know, and it's yeah. like as long as you come under that threshold, I'm not going to fight for it. You know, 60 bucks. That's what Surfline charges for a premium membership for a year. So yeah. roughly 60 bucks. Yeah. I'm going to say. Well, if. So we've told people if they want to donate to the show five bucks a month, that would be yeah sixty yeah. bucks. Yeah, I think that's pretty doable. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I you know what I think is the best deal in the world, by the way, Netflix nine nine bucks a month. How insanely good is Netflix? It nine dollars a month, and they just they've got eight Adam Sandler movies that have never <laughs> been seen anywhere but on Netflix. They're Netflix only. Netflix but, only. But I heard somebody told me fairly recently Netflix has 140 million subscribers worldwide. So while you think nine bucks is a value, when you're pulling that from that's a, 140 that's a million- That's a billion dollars a year. No, more. a month. Oh, it's monthly. Nine monthly. Up, nine times 140, 140 million. million. They're doing billions monthly in revenue. So it makes sense that they could turn to Adam Sandler and be like, we'll pay you they pay, 20 mil they to pay, make your new film. Like free, like you they don't pay even Chris have to- Rock 60 million for three- was Comedy. it Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle? They paid Dave Chappelle sixty yeah. million too. Yeah. They paid Jerry Seinfeld like a hundred million for episodes of comedy in a car or coffee Comedians in a car. In cars getting yeah. coffee. And it's his, a great show, by the way. Have yeah, you ever watched no, it? It's so good. And they're gonna and they're paying Adam Sandler some enormous amount yeah. for eight feature films only on Netflix. Perfect. Yeah. Because so, I mean the money's there, and so you're right, the revenue when, model makes sense. Like it when I hear those numbers of what they pay for the comedy specials, I think it was the Dave Chappelle thing, I just thought, how could Netflix justify that? Because they also have twenty other films and comedy specials coming out this month. And then you realize they're doing literally billions in revenue every month. And I also think it gives them leverage. If you can go to like some low level distribution house that's got some like B rated sophomore fraternity type comedies, you know, like National Lampoon or whatever. Right. And you go, Hey, dude, you want to be with us because we've got Chappelle, Seinfeld, oh, yeah. Adam Sandler. And by the way, 
we were paying you ten bucks last month. We're only paying you three bucks, yeah. or go somewhere else. Yeah, but you want we've got eyeballs and you need them. Well, so I, this is kind of tangential. It's not even related to surfing at all, but I do like films, and I think this is a renaissance for low budget filmmakers because of Netflix and these new platforms for people to sell their work to. The Duplass brothers, Joe Swanberg, are all. Uh, funneling their films through Netflix, knowing that they can make it on a shoestring, like a quarter of a million dollar budget. They can make the film that they want to make without any studio intervention at all. They could just creative express what they want in their artisan auteur filmmaking and then turn around and sell it to Netflix. What was that word you use? Auteur? auteur? Yeah. What does that mean? It's an artisan filmmaker, like a director An who's auteur? Hand, like a A-U-T? How do you pronounce U-R. Auteur. Yeah. So sounds like a I'll look it up while we're talking. Um, so <laughs> I'll have an auteur. <laughs> so they can make the film that they want to make for a quarter of a million bucks and sell it for a million. That's a you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollar profit. Whereas previously, you never knew if you were going to see that a return on that money. So it's an easy guaranteed on money from Netflix. And for us, the viewer, we have more content, better content than ever. There's a lot of parallels here to yeah. the surf film world, you know? Yeah, you're right. So, You, sir, correct. Auteur, A-U-T-E-U-R. A film director whose practice accords with the auteur theory. An artist whose style or practice are distinctive. Oh, well, that's... Whose isn't? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Anyway. Um, Don Rickles passed away. Super bummed about that. <laughs> Don Rickles was hilarious, man. That guy was so funny. I was lucky enough. I saw Rickles in Vegas one time, and yeah. he was mind-blowingly funny, like crying, laughing, yeah. tears flowing, just nonstop hilarity. And the, you, there's a lot of clips on YouTube of Rickles at various talk shows, but they pale in comparison to when he's live mm-hmm. in Vegas pointing to guys <laughs> – Pointing to people in the audience and just ripping them. Roasting. Them. It's so insane. So anyway, back sad to, to see Don Rickles go. Back to um, surfing. surfing. Drug aware Margaret River Pro. Look, what's there to say? I'm going to say a few things. I've got things to say too. Oh, okay. Well then. We have a podcast. Perfect. <laughs> what is there to say? Let me tell you what go there ahead, is to I'll say. Go ahead. I'll shut up. Okay. Day one ran at North Point. The wave is perfect, but it was inconsistent. Wasn't a great showing of North Point, but it was great to see the potential that we have there. Um John John Florence won in a blistering That's my word. performance. I use that word. The most dominant performance, I would say, since Kelly Slater at Chopu last year. And then prior to that, Owen Wright at Cloudbreak and Felipe Toledo at Snapper in 2015. The only person John John Florence didn't combo throughout the entire event was Michelle Berez in the quarter quarterfinals. But Michelle needed a 9.28 to make it out of that heat. Um my question to you, Scott, before you tell me what your thoughts are on this event, is did John John Florence single-handedly validate Margaret River as a stop on the world tour? No, okay. he didn't. What he did was single-handedly validate himself as yards ahead of everybody else on tour yeah. in regard to that frontside hack rail game, mm-hmm. um, which was just on a completely different level. And I know you've mentioned this, and I think everybody in the surf world knows it, but the difference between John John in that final and Kolohe and Dino, and quite frankly, as you mentioned, everybody else in that event was mind-blowing. And, you know, there's there's most valuable players, you know, like when you think about 
if let's for instance you're a general manager of a basketball team, who are you going to who are you going to build your team around? LeBron James, right? He's the he is undoubtedly the most powerful player in the league. And that's where John John Florence is. He is the guy that if you were to build a team or build a league, build the WSL around, a marketing machine around, it's John John Florence. Mm-hmm. And he is the whole package. And there is no doubt that he is the greatest surfer on the planet right now. Speed, power, and flow in those turns. Judging That's Style. part of the judging criteria. But I mean, that was how you define those turns. He buried the entire rail of his surfboard from the nose to the tail for like 100 yards in one turn. It the, was ridiculous. You, ridiculous. The length of those turns. They were the so of, killer. It was so ridiculous. It was cartoonish. He was covering an um, unbelievable amount of ground. Keeping now, the rail buried. The Buried Rail Society has a new president. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Knox has be Taylor. been dethroned. Yeah, we've dethroned Taylor. Um, when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply okay so i agree with you john john florence did not like when you look at the highlights you go oh it makes sense margaret river's on because guys are getting barreled out there and like you watch the highlights and they look radical but really it was john john's performance that was phenomenal and margaret river is far from one of the most exciting 11 waves in the world. If we have 11 stops on tour, this is not one of the most exciting waves in the world. Well, they constantly at all. are playing up the wine region and the location. Like, you know, all the ads about it yeah. are, yeah, they're basically saying, yeah, the waves so so, but look how beautiful it is here. And all the waves around here are great. And That's the, what's crazy is there's waves all around that are great, like North Point. But yeah, I, hey, Margaret I, River. I think Margaret River is a completely contestable wave. I think it's a worthy spot, uh, stop on I tour. I don't think it's the best. I don't think it's not. Repl- I think it's replaceable, but I don't. It's not it's, at all a worthy I mean, if you, stop on tour. Either's Brazil. No, of course. But I'm not I, arguing that Brazil Bra- is. I know, but my point is, is that I think there are replaceable spots, but I think that um, that it's not. It's not like. 
It's not like the death now. It's not like we're not tuning no. in. Like Brazil, I won't no. tune into Brazil. I no, don't I, watch the Brazil event. I very rarely watch the Brazil event. I'll tell you, if John John didn't do what he did out there, there'd be no reason to watch Margaret. Everybody else is struggling out there. Here's I don't know here's that one, one day the like one of those the first couple days when it was just bombing huge. It was pretty. It it's was interesting. Pretty exciting. It's interesting. It was exciting. It was big. It was massive. Well, check this out. Even on that that day, John John's riding a six two. Yeah. So what? I will say that John John, what sets John John apart is that he has the ability to redefine surf spots and the way that they should be ridden. And he's done it at Pipeline since probably the last decade now, where he's riding the smallest board in the lineup and he's taking off underneath the ledge. Yeah, now I don't he's know doing if we're going to give that to John John. Now he's, he's not the first one to do that at Pipe. He's helped redefine that, dude. I would say that Slater riding led six that. twos. Yeah. All right. Well, well, smaller boards. I mean, Slater paddled out there on a six six in what ten years ago, and that was like, oh my god, yeah. You know, and I'm sure John John wasn't on a. I'm sure he was on a big at that board. time. John John was riding a five one, which was a gun <laughs> for him. <laughs> so um, we've gotten into these positions in watching professional surfing and the free surfing that are, revolves around the event, where. We know what to expect. We know to expect a full rotation from Felipe Toledo because we see him free surfing and then he goes out in his event. And if he does a stock air that's below his standard, we underscore him. Even if it's a better air than Michel Berez would do in the heat with him, we give Felipe a lower, we meaning the judges, give him a lower score because it's not the full rotation we saw him do in the warm up session. Well, John John Sir, John John Florence is posting free surf clips doing backflips, literally. And you're tripping. You're on Instagram the lay day of the event watching him doing a backflip going, holy crap, what's he going to do when he paddles out in his heat tomorrow? Well, he goes out in his heat and then he does a rail surfing that's better than anybody's ever done before. And it's a full – he zigs when you think he's going to zag and it resets everything. Like the judges – he he redefines not only what he can do and what you expect from him, but how that wave should even be ridden. We've never seen guys ride that wave on that small of boards on that big of days and then cuts through all the chop, lump, and bump fully on rail, fully buried rail while he's going through that. It's like so gnarly. So when he's doing... X, Y, and Z in the free surfing and blowing doors on Matt Miola, Albie Layer, all the best free surfers in the world. Like Jordy put out a 20 minute video a couple weeks ago. The next day, John John posted a back, or maybe it was an alley oop, and it was like, oh, well, he just crapped on Jordy's 20 minute edit that took him a year to make with one clip. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then he goes out in the contest and smokes Jordy in the comp too. Like they didn't surf against each other, but Jordy's getting sixes and John John's getting nines and throwing away high. Yeah, he, he, he smoked everybody. It's it wasn't gnarly. just Jordy it's that he It's so on. gnarly. So that's, that's where John John's at. He's redefined. Plus, Board. he had blood on his elbow. How gnarly was that? <laughs> That's kind of cool. Dude, he dismounted in the worst possible position. Did you watch that give, clip? I got to give Barton Lynch some credit for kind of like hustling. He, Barton Lynch was hustling. like, And he put the microphone right in his face and was like, tell me about the arm. Let's take a look at it. Like, Running that's up the gangway. All, that's all stuff that if I was John John's handler, I'd be like, dude, get away from him. Right. This is not the time. Yeah. But Barton was like right there and there's nobody that's got the chuts but to tell Barton to leave because right. Barton's Barton. Yeah. He's like 50-year-old world champion that's kind of like, you know, like. He's got the energy and enthusiasm of a 
eighteen year old. And yeah, he's, I like him a lot. Oh, he's the per- he's perfect. Yeah. He's he's he he's got everything you need. He's he, he's got the authority yeah. and the respect of everybody. And then he goes in there and he goes, oh, by the way, you know, it didn't look like you were surfing quite as good as you should have. Right. Yeah. You know, I think if anything, he could be a little bit more John McEnroe-ish, a little bit more um, Johnny Miller-ish, you know, a little bit a little bit harsher because yeah. he's got the power now to do that and he needs to push it a little. And he can get away with it. Yeah. And I don't even think it's getting away with anything. I don't think you're getting away with anything. I think you're doing your job. Yeah. Call him out, yeah. you know? Well, so John John, for listeners who didn't see it, uh, finished a right, and the, you've seen at Margaret River. There's that shelf of w- the bricks, is yeah. what they call them, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's it's reef that sticks up higher than the rest of the reef, and oftentimes above water, especially when there's a wave in front of it sucking the water off the reef. And so John John finished a right right in front of that shelf of reef, and then decided to jump off his board and got washed straight into it. And I guess his forearm hit first, so. It could have been a breakage, like the way that he hit it and the amount of force he hit it with. And he had a huge lump on, like it was bleeding a lot, but then there was a big lump on it as well. So he ran into that thing pretty hard, but then went out there and won the final after that injury. So um, there was another thing that was, I think it was a semifinal heat with Felipe Toledo and Chloe Andino. There was a shark scare. I guess Chloe saw a shark. And so they sent in the jet skis wave runners and rescued not rescued but pulled them out of the water the contest went on hold for a bit and then they re reassessed and went back out i'll tell you another thing about the event we've it was all about john john but owen wright is could win a world title this year yeah if it wasn't for that freaky finn incident yeah where just so listeners i'm sure you all saw it we don't want to bore you with talking to you about shit you've already seen david but um Owen's right, Finn blew out on him. And I think Owen was on form. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't seem like he's missed a beat. And, of course, that's the way it looked at Snapper. And everyone was kind of going, okay, well, let's just see how Margaret is. And he's proven to me that he's in it to win it. There's no fall off whatsoever. And I could see Owen Wright being in the, being in the play here as we get into November <laughs> and December. Well, so what's crazy is before the season started, we looked at Owen Wright and Mick Fanning coming in after taking a year off. And we're both like, well, obviously you put your money on Mick Fanning because he's a three-time world champ and the guy is like so tenacious as a competitor. Owen Wright's this giant wild card with a question mark over his head. Owen Wright is currently in second place after winning the first event. Mick Fanning is in 22nd. Mick Fanning's at the pub. Mick Fanning got bit, (laughs) got beaten by... Um, Kanoa in round two. It doesn't even look like he's here. It's good for Mick. He's won three. Is it three world titles? Yes. He's won three world titles. He's got all the money in the world in the bank. He's marketable for the rest of his life, especially in Australia. Why not go to the, go bowling in the green? You know, like good for him. Man, there, there is, I see no drive whatsoever in Mick Fanning to do anything. I do, except for the last two events. Now, Um, Bells, it's sort of like the Ockers, the true Australian event. It's the rip curl event. He's a rip curl guy. Yeah. So I put him on my team for Bells based on that. Like, if he's going to have a comeback, it's better be at Bells. And he's so cheap that, like, why wouldn't you put right, him on your exactly. team? Right, exactly. He's four million bucks or something. Yeah. So, but if he doesn't perform at Bells, by then the way, he's cashing in his chips and he's 
going to go to a seven-day cricket test. By the way, are we the absolute worst at picking surfers? Speak for yourself. Dude, we are the worst. You and me together? Yes. No, I pick my own team. How's your Leonardo Fioravanti doing, That's dude? not good. <laughs> We've changed that. I just, actually, I... Yeah, what the what? fuck, Leo? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, by the way, so our conversation we need to follow up on is... We had three unfulfilled world title, unfulfilled, you know, guys who could win a world title who haven't achieved their dreams yet. Those three guys at the beginning of the season were Chloe Andino, Julian Wilson, and Jordy Smith. Well, Chloe Andino is kind of delivering on those promises. Good. Chloe Andino made the final at Margaret River. He's um, currently, I think he's in third place because, yeah, it's John John Florence, Owen Wright, Chloe Andino's in third. Jordy Smith blowing it. Julian Wilson's blowing it. Julian Wilson is in equal 14th right now. He was my pick to win the title this year. He's in 14th. And he lost in round five to Michelle Perez. That's that's an okay result. Jordy made the quarters where he was beat by Chloe. And I should say, I think Jordy's in an equal third position right now on the rankings with Chloe. So Jordy's hanging in there. But still, he hasn't had any blistering performances this year. Julian Wilson's got to be going, what's going on? Julian needs to get his act together. He's going to be the new Taj, the greatest surfer to never win a world title. Perennial fifth place at the end of the year. And know? he's too good for that. So what's going on? What's Is he too – he's thinking – he needs to just go have fun. I know. Let it what, – what was the, what was Kelly's favorite thing? Letting go? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Kelly, yeah. equal 11th right now. He lost in round three. That's a throwaway, Margaret River, whatever. Um <laughs> Seriously, like he's still in play to win the world title. What's his rank on the eleventh? Or he's eleventh yeah. overall. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I, yeah, dude, you got to you've got to have two events, right? You're gonna keep snapper, which was a quarterfinal. I don't remember. And throw away Margaret River. Everybody throws away an event. It doesn't it doesn't have to be the You're last. So event. gentle on Kelly. <laughs> You're so gentle, dude. You just love him so much. He's the greatest surfer ever. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But the other story is that um, Sally Fitzgibbons actually won on the women's side, and that's a return to form for her. She's a perennial world title contender for a number of years, and then just has kind of fallen off in the last year or two. Train so like Sally. Tell me, tell me, you went to the trainlikesally.com website. Have you seen that on her board? No. I thought for sure I was going to text you. I'm like, I know you're a member of that. I know you've registered to That's Train hilarious. Like Sally. So Train Like Sally. So I went there to check it out. Yeah. And it's just like a little app that you download that she wants you to download. And she'll walk you through a workout. It's Obviously, it's a training thing. Funny. Train Remember like Sally. she com. did a commercial for um, Kentucky Fried Chicken a couple years ago? <laughs> That's definitely not in the uh, diet portion of her app. Yeah. There's no Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, well, so last night, by the way, they ran day one at Bell's for the women. I saw some she, of it. She had a, suffered a big laceration on her foot in the final wave of the day. Uh, it looked pretty gruesome, actually. Oh, so I didn't see that. Hopefully... She'll recover from that, and we'll see her in the next round. I, I don't know if she'll even be able to. You know who looks good? Sylvina, Silvana Lima. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you see her heat? Yeah, she's on my team. She I, looks aggressive. She does. I had a lot of criticisms about her surfing. Well, but. look. Look. Don't are you going to lead me into this women's surfing thing? Because I've been catching a lot of shit about 
I've been catching a lot of shit. You read the comments? There's, Where do you? There's some person on Instagram that's been going back and forth with us. Oh. That's just like anti. I saw him on Beach Grit. Anti bass. Oh, what? Uh, what's on Beach Grit? There was. Um, they posted a story about oh Chris Cote's new podcast. Yeah. And then of course in the comments section there was references to our show. There was. Yeah, and then Uh-oh. somebody was like. Yeah, it's great up until David tries to bring up women surfing and then Scott like completely craps on it or something like that. Well, look, it, for instance, I watched yesterday, right? Yeah. They're surfing. Like if you just objectively looked at it without a jersey, without the WSL context, if you just went, oh, look at that girl surfing. You'd be like, God, it'd be good if she had a better style. Mm. They're, they lack style. Now, look, there's plenty of guys that are, have, and there are some great stylish women surfer. There's like three of them. Mm. Carissa, Stephanie, and Stephanie Gilmore, I mean. And, um, maybe the other one that we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so not going to help you, dude. The other one that we were I've only got so about. much time in the day. You know, I can't like watch unstylish surfing when I can watch Tom Curran. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna leave this one alone. All right. Let's uh, move so, on. wait, no, real quickly. Carissa Moore has actually brought on C.J. Hobgood to be her coach for the entire season. She surfs insane. She does, and so that's an interesting pick, C.J. You know, um, that is an interesting pick. Yeah. Why not? Why not the little micro? <laughs> Seriously, micro's helping everybody out. Yeah. But this is kind of the year of the coach with Ross Williams, with John John, and micro with everybody that micro's with. By the way, micro's with Wilco. Owen Wright, Connor Coffin, Tyler Wright, Laura Enever, I think. He started working with last year. I don't know if he's still when working When is with too her. many? When do you have too many clients? That's what I was wondering. These I guys mean, start matching up against each other. They did in the final, actually, at Snapper. And yeah. I don't, I don't know the answer is to that, though. Yeah, I, I mean, don't either. If you're Micro Hall, you're like, look, it takes me 10 minutes to give you a pep talk. Like, how hard is it? It's not like I'm telling you how to turn. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's always an interesting topic of conversation for me is just – I'm not sure what the role is and what the value is. I mean, you look at tennis as an example. Like, there's coaches in tennis. There's no way the same coach that coaches Federer coaches yeah, the other guy. Exactly. It just never would happen. It yeah. would just be like complete conflict. Right. But this is surfing, bro. Everyone's <laughs> so, a bro. Everyone loves each other. Hey, I love the way that guy surfs. He's guy's a really good surfer. He's always a tough matchup. It's going to be hard. He's my friend. We travel together. Yeah, we room together. We're roommates in Hawaii every year. Blah, 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 blah. Fucking blah. Stop it. In other news outside of the WSL, did you see Dane Reynolds crack his vertebrae at backdoor? No. Oh, my gosh. No, I didn't know that. Gnarly. He posted it on Instagram. Wiped out at backdoor. Landed on his butt on the reef. Fractured a vertebrae. So that's pretty gnarly. That's horrible. One of my favorite things from past weeks, I don't know how many people actually saw this. I feel like it kind of slipped under the radar. Francisco Porcella's uh, butt slide at Mavericks. Did you see this oh, yeah. footage? That's a couple. That's that's what I'm saying. It's like a month old. Yeah, but it, I yeah. had it in my show notes like in multiple weeks, but never got around to it. And like I said, I don't feel like it really got the play that it should have. But I'm going to post it on surfsplendorpodcast.com for anybody who wants to check it out. And then I'll actually post it on Instagram too, at surfsplendor. But Francisco Porcella, who, by the way, I only know as a guy who wipes out. Like every time he <laughs> pops up in the media and he has a brother named Nicolo, by the way, who yeah. one of them won the Wipeout of the Year award last year at Chopu. And then somebody had a – Nicolo had a super gnarly one at Jaws this past year. And now Fran, Francisco's at Mavericks. Anyways, 
He's a goofy footer taking off on the right and super steep drop, kind of catches air under his board, falls, lands right on his butt on the deck of his board and rides the rest of the wave on his butt directly down the drop. He actually makes the wave at Mavericks yeah, on crazy. his butt. It's, it's gnarly. And there's great footage from the the uh, channel angle. And then he has a GoPro on the nose too. So he captured the GoPro angle, which as always doesn't look nearly as dramatic because it skews the perspective so much with a fisheye lens. Yeah. But the boat angle is radical. Yeah, it's, it's a gnarly, gnarly it's, wave. It's, and thank God he made it. One thank of my God favorites. another successful wipeout. Is there such a thing? But this guy's the king was, of successful wipeouts. Dude, the guy won money for wiping out. Speaking of winning money, yeah. you may or may not know this, but for, I don't know, 15 years or so, I've been one of the... Um, I've been on the judging panel for the XXL Awards, which is now called the WSL Big Wave Awards, mm-hmm. right? And um, I've got my um, ballot. You want to hear my ballot? Yep. Okay. So for the Billabong Ride of the Year Award, there are five nominees. There's Ben Andrews at Mavericks. There's Lucas Chumbo Chianca at Nazare. There's Billy Camper at Jaws. There's Jamie Mitchell at Puerto Escondido. And there's Francesco Porcella at Nazare. And um, I would urge you. So he you, did make a wave. Yeah, he did. Good for him. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Billabong Ride of the Year Award nominees, I chose as the Ride of the Year Ben Andrews at Mavericks. And he barely edged out Francisco Porcella at Nazare, who just catches, the, he toes into this most mammoth of incredible. Um, Ways. But anyway, Ben Andrews at Mavericks was my choice for Billabong Ride of the Year. For the record, Nicolo was the one who had the wipeout of the year last year. Oh, I'm not, sorry. Not Frances- oh, Francisco. See. That was my mistake. So the Ride of the Year, though, it There's can be it could be towing or paddling? Yes. Okay. Ben Andrews paddles in at Mavericks. It's an insane drop. Free falls. Um, you know, gets his act together, gets his rail on the inside rail. And then does this insane bottom turn to, and the waves just heaving behind him. Um, Francisco's Porcello's wave at Nazare, it's a toe in wave. I generally move away from toe in waves for ride of the year, mm-hmm. but this is such an out of bounds, like setting the bar at a different level type of wave that I was, it's worthy of, oh my God, you know what? Mm-hmm. He's, it's not just another wave at Nazare, if there is such a thing. It, yeah. it was like incredibly massive and incredibly long and, and it was it, it broke sort of the ceiling a little bit. Okay. And then Billy Kemper, of course, gets this insane barrel at, at Maui at Jaws during the event that we've all seen. But it's warm water. He may it, it looks for Billy Kemper. It just looks like a really large backdoor barrel. You know right. what I mean? And so it's lost a little bit of its luster. A few years ago, I probably would have voted for it. It's an insane tube. He gets spit out. Yeah. But the Ben Andrews wave just seems gnarlier. It's meaner, colder, sharkier, wetsuit on, heavier, just doesn't look as pleasant. And There's he, a bit more negotiating involved for t- Ben Andrews. Tons more negotiating where involved. Billy Kemper, it's like He a just slides wave. in, puts his arm in the face and gets barreled. Like yeah. He does do a bottom turn, but you know. But it's a perfect wave. It's a perfect, perfect blue wave. Yeah, I'm watching the Francisco Porcello one right now. It it just looks – it's almost not even 
a wave. Yeah, it's just it's this worldly. mountain of water, and it's, it's kind of stormy. It so, truly looks like snowboarding or something. Yeah, it is pretty gnarly. It's hard to even compare that to like Mavericks or Jaws. It is hard, and and I think I did struggle with that one between Billy Kemper and that one. But I was like, you know what, this one does. does it, do you think, David, that it sort of breaks the ceiling a little bit? Like it's not just your average tow and wave at Nazare. It's it's a pretty mammoth long ride. Like it's not. Do you do it, you look it, at it and go, that's that's above normal. That's that's different than what I normally see. It is, but I will argue. You know, it almost looks like he's kite surfing and he catches a giant bump of water because it's not like he's anywhere near the lip. He's nowhere. Well, there is no lip. That's why that wave's sort but of. There's white water breaking. Yeah, it's mean white water. But he's nowhere near any of that. Whereas yeah. when you are paddling in, like Mavericks or the Jaws example, you need to be near that threatening spot to get the energy to get the speed that you need. Yeah, you he just gets lulled into this big lump of water. It looks more like windsurfing or kite surfing than it does. Well, it looks surfing. like the skill level needed isn't as much. Not nearly. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just hold on. Like if you can stand there and you've got strong legs and you've got the balls, it does take some balls to be where he's at, but all these guys have balls. So that's yeah. not the, in the equation, but the skill levels just kind of like, all right, just hold on. You know, whereas Billy Kemper's, you know, sliding in under the lip. Ben Andrews is making this incredible late drop, free falling down the face. It's a 40-foot wave, you know. In yeah. one sense, it would make me think that, like, your average viewer in, let's say, nowhere near a coastline who doesn't know anything about surfing might think that uh, Porcella's is the most impressive because it does look that wild. It's just this open o- – it's not open ocean, but it looks open ocean yeah. with just whitewash kind of capping out the back and all this chaos – but it does require less skill, for sure. Um, real quickly, my tube of the year uh, award, my ballot, I chose Shannon Worrell. Wow. At the right in Western Australia, the photo by Jamie Scott. Okay. So if you're perusing the site, Shannon Worrell, photo by Jamie Scott was the one that I chose. He's deep, deep, deep and highlining it way back in that massive cylinder Known as the right. Do you see which image I mean? No, I'm looking at Billy Kemper's wave. Uh, but I so the tube of the year thing is just a photograph. Photos. It's yeah. not a video. Right. And so then the wipeout of the year award I gave to Danny Griffiths at Shipstern Bluff, Tasmania, video by Dave Otto. And Danny Griffiths just gets completely obliterated, more so than the other obliterations which <laughs> right. take place because there's plenty of obliterations. The wipeout of the year, always a favorite. But, man, isn't it kind of shocking how these are all names we've never heard before? Not all names, but, like, have you heard of Danny Griffith before? No. Ben Andrews, the Mavericks guy? Um, no, actually. No, he's, he's from Morro Bay, so he probably surfs, surfs Mavericks surfs all the time. really good. Yeah, but it's like you and I pay very close attention to surfing. Yeah. We don't know who a lot of the big wave guys are. They're unsung heroes. Yeah. I should dedicate, like, a, maybe, like, once a quarter interview to the unsung heroes of big wave surfing. There you go. Get the Ben Andrews of the world That's on the That's a pod. good idea. Yeah. Um, do you see Alex Gray's oh debacle my God. with America? Okay, here's my question to you. How much is the most you've ever paid to go on it? Excuse me. Per board. Per board. Per board. How much have you paid Not on airlines to ship your boards with you when you travel? Never never um, more than like 150 bucks for a bag, I don't think. 
I've paid $600 each way one time to Morocco on United Airlines. For one bag. For one bag. They made me pull the boards. I tried to snivel and go, yeah, I've only got one board in here. And she's like, pull them out. 150 each. Right? 200 each. Oh. $200 each, three boards, $600 one way, $600 the back. That stings. It was gnarly. Dude, especially when you're traveling on a budget. And you're just like, all right, I got this much allocated for hotels, for food. And then you get hit with that. And you're like, well, I could have stayed in much nicer lodgings. And I could have eaten a lot better. You know what? I went to Morocco and I hurt my back and ended up like not surfing for no way. a good chunk of time because my back was out. Yeah. Well, that Moroccan story fits in perfectly with Alex Gray because um, one of the other things this past week is he released GoPro footage of that wave in Morocco and yeah. getting six barrels on Safi. one wave. What? I was just mentioning the name of the wave. What is it? Um, oh, you're not allowed to say? <laughs> I blew it. Uh, Everyone okay. knows where it is, okay. for God's sake. Well, he gets six barrels on one wave. GoPro footage is crazy. And then the story I was referencing is he posted on Instagram um, that he pulled four boards out of his board I saw bag, it. It was awesome. And one of the boards was broken in half completely. It's on surf One line. of them, the tail was crushed. One of them, the nose was crushed. All four boards are ruined. And I don't know what the final story is. Did American Airlines reimburse him or not? But what Alex Gray was doing, basically, he's posting it on Instagram going, look, you guys notoriously ruin our equipment. What's worse is... You notoriously overcharge. Like you you don't overcharge for golf, golf clubs. clubs. Golf clubs or, is the big one. Or um, fishing poles that are oversized. Or there's a lot of other things that weigh as much as, if not more, and are oversized, like surfboards are, that you don't charge for. Or if you do, there's a defined fee that's listed and always applied. We show up to the airport, we never know what we're going to pay. And even if your policy says something, and I have it on my phone showing you what your own company's website says, $150 a board bag, and then you decide to charge me $150 per board. That's bullshit. It's bullcrap. And you I guys get United away with Airlines. it. You guys I hate get American away with Airlines. It. And it's not just American and United. Kelly took... Hawaiian. Hawaiian Airlines to task on this last year. And every once in a while, you'll see it pop up on Instagram. John John Florence had a fight with somebody last year, too, that he well, was here's, public. Here's my thought about Alex Gray's situation, which is on Surfline. Take take a peek at it if you haven't seen it already. Those boards look – that looks like it was done on purpose. That does not look like just – They were all broken in different places. Just standard – you know, damage from handling. Right. That looks like somebody ran over his board bag. There's even a picture of a like a tire track on one of the boards or on the board bag, I think it is. But somebody went out of their way to run those boards over. Yeah. Wonder what he did to piss him off. <laughs> Probably <laughs> mentioned the name of the wave in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, what's funny is like Alex Gray lost his main sponsor, Volcom, I think at the end of last year. I feel like he's gotten more publicity in the last couple months since losing his sponsor. I don't know how you – why would you – Alex Gray is the most marketable free – he's one of the most marketable free surfers. I know you said he, that. He works for – I mean, he'll work for yeah. you. I guarantee you, if you sign Alex Gray, he'll be like, let's – I'm going to – you know, he goes out of his way to make things good for you and your company. Yeah. If there's companies out there that are looking for a smart guy to sponsor, Alex Gray is one of them. In my opinion, I'd sign him in a heartbeat and send him on missions. And he's smart. He's educated. He gets it. He's a professional. 
he will take care of your company. He will get his name out there, and he's proven it. Yeah, it seems to me like he's actually best suited now for like a team manager position. No. Yeah, for sure. I think no. Well, maybe. Dude, like, be on the road with the young kids, like showing them how to thread tubes. Like that's, he's, yeah, he's past his prime now in terms of he's aged out of you don't expect him to be doing the raddest air. No, no, like, no. Yeah, he's not going to. He's a big wave surfer at this point. I see him as like the guy that's going to go to Port Escondido and get shacked out of his Porto brain. off the wall is where yeah. he's put in a lot of hours. Yeah, you're going to see him in waves of consequence. Even yeah. that big day this couple winters ago, was it this winter at El Porto where he, he paddled out and just massive closeouts and was getting insane yeah. thick one. He's that guy that's going to. And so what company makes sense for him? You know, what company needs But that, I would think that. like, so again, he was with Volcom. I would think Volcom could transition him into that role where he's just overseeing the young kids that are coming up. That would be a perfect fit for him. I agree. I don't know what's going on at Volcom. You yeah. know, Establ- no, establishment I. exploiting the youth. Ooh. Boom. Reverse their own slogan. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's some <laughs> French corporation owned by like Louis. Yeah. V- I don't know. Yeah. Who owns them? Yeah. Caring? Caring, yeah. And what don't they own like Puma and Yves yeah. Saint Laurent and yeah. Kelly Slater? They own a bunch of. They represent outer known. But they're not the they groovy Volcom that it used to be. That's for sure. Um, I've got two must see moments actually this week. One of them is it was a must see moment last year. This guy who apparently is well known because he has some like kite surfing titles and he does some crazy stand up stuff. But last year, he got a shack at Backdoor that was unreal and only captured on Surfline's cameras. Nobody at a proper angle from the Didn't beach. Did he win shot. Wave of the Winter? Yeah, Kiahi de Abortiz is the guy's name. Yeah. Dude, he got another one at Backdoor this year. Again, same story. It's Surfline camera angle. It is gnarly. Low tide, Backdoor, double overhead. Gets kind of like four sections on the thing. The last of which is a closeout section that you're just like, oh, no way. And then he comes flying out of the thing. So Kiai de Abortiz, uh, insane shack at Backdoor. Nobody saw it, I'm sure. Like in terms of listenership, yeah. they all saw Alex Gray's thing. Yeah. None of them saw this. So I want to draw attention to that. I'll have it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. But really my must-see moment that has overwhelmed me is me. it's a still photograph Michaela Jones is cover shot on this month's Surfer's Journal. Oh yeah, that's insane, dude. That's best, so cool. Best cover shot I've ever seen. Maybe one of them. It's right up there with the cover shot that Surfer did um, when I was there of Dan Malloy, a David Pu'u shot on the oh, big issue. And in Japan was it? No, he's in. Um, it's it's just right there at at in Ventura. What? I don't yeah, remember this. There's a Dan Malloy photo. Big issue cover, and he's he's um, it's just the same angle, you know, with the light coming through. I'll find it here. Well, by the way, we're at the Shack Library. The big issues around here somewhere. Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente. Make sure you come visit here and see their incredible surfboard timeline, among other things. Well, um, big issue Dan Malloy. It's very similar to that. Well, this, this shot yeah. from Mikala is. It's somewhere in Indonesia, but it's a GoPro angle. He's holding it. He's getting barreled on a right, and he's holding the camera kind of behind his right, his regular foot, holding it kind of behind his front shoulder. So you can, it's almost a point of view angle looking out of the tube, but he's going into the morning sunrise. So the, the coloring and the lighting is really where 
you know, the magic of the shot come to play. Yes. Beautifully, beautiful sunrise in the background. Beautiful sunrise in the background, lighting up all the foreground and the water itself. It's all golden colored because yeah. of the sunrise. And he's getting shacked. It's an unbelievable image. So that is my must-see moment. I will also post that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. What do you know about Save Trestles? What do you know about Save Trestles? The Save Trestles campaign. Tell uh, me I mean, what do you know about Not it. a ton. Well, they stopped a toll road from going through. Yeah. And it was a, probably the maybe could be argued like the greatest victory ever for the Surfrider Foundation, yeah. right? Well, now, as you may or may not know, there's 3.6 million pounds of nuclear waste that's being stored right there at the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station. And it has no place to go. Do you know anything about this? 3.6 million pounds of nuclear waste shuttered up at San Onofre with no place to go. Don't you think that this is a campaign that maybe the Surfrider Foundation should jump on board? Because if you're going to save trestles, let's really save trestles. Like, yeah. you know, by the way, I'm a big fan of the Surfrider Foundation. I'm a yeah, big of fan of I was involved in the Save Trestles campaign as far as going down to the fairgrounds, the Delmar Fairgrounds, where they had the big um, hoopla and the big meeting there with the Coastal Commission. Um, and it, let me read you a little so bit about this, this. is from the San Onofre Power Plant that is now... It's been shuttered, yeah. <clears throat> it hasn't generated power there in, I don't know, since 2010 or something. Okay. 13, maybe. Okay. 3.6 million pounds of nuclear waste sitting there. What happens if there's an earthquake? What happens if there's a tsunami? What happens if there's a hurricane? You know, Fukushima number two. Yes. Thank you very much, right? You'd think that Surfrider Foundation, you'd think that you could go to their website and learn something about what's happening here. What's the process? Are they going to get rid of it? How safe are we? What's the deal? So I went to the Surfrider Foundation website, found nothing. Let me read to you a little bit about this real quick. Edison officials overseeing San Onofre's decommissioning have set the target date as the end of 2032 to remove nearly every remnant of the generating station which hugs the Southern California coastline at the northern tip of San Diego County in Camp Pendleton. But the operative word here is nearly because in all likelihood the waste, the spent fuel or used fuel will stay behind for years to come stranded until a long-term solution is reached on what to do with it. So David, I'm like, where's the Surfrider Foundation on this? This is a big deal. Right. Now, San Onofre's storage containers may start leaking radiation into the environment as early as 2020, possibly sooner. San Onofre uses canisters, the same canisters that they used at the Coburg nuclear plant in South Africa, which have failed after 17 years from a chloride-induced stress corrosion cracking. Now, the cracking in South Africa happened in the container at a depth of a half an inch. So a little bit more than a half an inch is where we get corrosion. The San Onofre canisters are only 0.6 inches thick. Mm. There are 2,000 loaded canisters. Basically, the article goes on to say that corrosion could start happening in three years. Wow. So I was all up in arms about this. I went on the Surfrider Foundation website. I'm like, why doesn't the surf... If they really want to save trestles, how come as a Surfrider fan, I can't go to their website and find out what's going on with this, right? Right. So 
Luckily, I did the right thing and I emailed Chad Nelson. I was like, Chad, help me to not go on a ignorant, negligent diatribe on the podcast tomorrow. Like, what's the deal? How come I can't find any info? There's priority campaigns on the Surfrider Foundation. You know what their priority is? Martin's Beach Access, saving the EPA, and New York plastic bag fees. Those are some of their priorities. Now, in my mind... 3.2 3.2 million pounds of nuclear waste being stored within 8 million. You know, there's 8 million residents right here in yeah. Orange County, L.A., San Diego. That seems like a little higher priority than New York City plastic bag fees. But I can't find anything about it. And a lot more direct a negative cause if things go haywire. Right. So Chad did his best to walk me off the ledge. I talked with him at length and I love Chad Nelson. I appreciate the work he does. And I know it's, you know, I've mentioned like Surfrider is an easy target. Everyone tells them what they should do. And none of us pay the $25 yearly annual membership, you know, yeah. like it's easy to sit back as a sort of Sunday morning quarterback and give shit to the Surfrider foundation. They're an easy target. And I've certainly targeted them before. Well, the other thing is they would love to be involved in everything and if they start to get involved in that, if they don't give it their full attention, there's going to be a million people like yourself who go, hey, why are you only doing this amount with that cause when you should be doing X amount with that Which is cause? exactly what I brought up to Chad. And Chad went on to tell me, hey, look, here's the deal. Our foundation, the Surfrider is run by chapters. So yeah. he has to, like people in Miami Beach think their cause is more important than our cause. So there's all these causes that are all like trying to butt heads and get attention. Yeah. Now- I would argue, dude, there's nothing more important than 3.6 million pounds of nuclear waste. I don't care if the least turn in Miami is dying. You know, they're going to really die off if that radiation goes through the roof, right? Now, there's no, there's a, there's a lot of political, um, involvement here. There's a lot of, there's, there's a lot, there's a nuclear regulatory commission. There's senators here in California, ISA and Feinstein that are involved. There's where do we move this waste to? They had a place, Yucca Mountain in Nevada. Senator Harry Reid came in and and put the kibosh on that. There are a couple of other places that they're looking at that are at least eight years out to be built out so that they could move the the nuclear waste. Oh, by the way, San Onofre is not the only place with decommissioned nuclear waste that needs a place to be stored. There's like 50 there's a bunch of places with spent fuel that needs to be moved somewhere. So mm. who's the first to go? It's a multi-pronged um, you know, headache, basically. Yeah. And it's a long-term thing. And it involves politicians. And politicians think in two and four and six-year election cycles. They don't think in 20 years. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. And that's why I think the Surfrider Foundation needs to come up with a feasible and other nonprofits, by the way, they all need to get together. The same nonprofits that were involved in the Save Trestles campaign, uh, Sierra Club, hello. Those those nonprofits need to get together, formulate a well thought out campaign, and continue pressure and make this campaign a priority, and continue to put pressure on politicians so that this stays at the forefront. Otherwise, it's going to fade off. So, Chad, of course, goes, Scott, look, our lawyers are looking into us. We know about this, of course. The reason it's not yet on the Surfrider Foundation page is because we need to formulate a methodical and well-thought-out approach before we come up with something. So they are doing something. I do anticipate something being on the Surfrider Foundation page soon. They are awaiting a lawsuit, which is going to be... Um, pl- play out here with next week, I think, or, or the next two weeks, a lawsuit's going to play out, which is going to dictate how the Surfrider Foundation moves forward. But um, 
I just want everyone to know, I too am concerned about the nuclear waste. Uh, Surfrider is concerned about it, and they are formulating something. And Chad Nelson has promised me that something is going to be done about it. And we can all do our part by giving some uh, $25 monthly, whatever it is. Yearly. To the, yeah, yearly to, thank you, yearly to the Surfrider Foundation. That's something that I know David's going to do. And I know David's parents and others around David's family are going to do. Uh, Chad Nelson was episode 150 of Did Surf you talk Thunder. to him at all about this? Not about Why that, not? but we talked about the Save Trestles success that they've had in the past. I don't think Save Trestles is a success if, as, no, I until know. that I'm just nuclear radiation is gone. Yeah, totally. When that's gone, then we've really saved Trestles. Yeah. And oh, by the way, the rest of Southern California. Yeah. Well, by the way, I know that you don't have a Duke and Kook this week, so why don't you call that your kook? Let's label that. Right? That is my kook. Oh, what are you okay. talking that's about? What I, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had. Of course. My of real course. kook is American Airlines. Oh, really? And the the lackadaisical nature of the politicians and the, the slow movement towards getting a solution to this nuclear waste that's in our backyard. So many kooks, so little time. <laughs> I'm probably the biggest kook. Uh, my kook is my hometown of Huntington Beach. Dude. No shit. I think I need to move. No doubt. It's so depressing. Why do you live there? It gets worse and worse all the time. I'm embarrassed to tell people, to be honest. When I meet people and they're like, where do you live? I'm like, eh, Huntington Beach. But like the good side over by the harbor, like I don't actually what? hang out downtown. Like, let me tell you, so let me t- crappy, when you say Huntington right? Beach, let me tell you what people that don't live there, yeah, this is what me. they think. I already know, but yeah. They see a guy with a mullet and he's got shorts, but they actually look like pants. They hang down to his ankles. He's wearing knee-high socks. Some brand new Nikes that I'm not sure where he got them from. He's Coles. got he's got a tr- yeah he got them from Coles. He's got a tribal tattoo on his arm. He's wearing a wife beater. He's got a goatee that hangs down pretty far. He's got a chain that is attached to his wallet that has credit cards that are way past due. Yeah, <laughs> and he's walking a pit bull. First of all, that's what this people is think not of. a mullet. It's a chop hop. And <laughs> these Nikes I got from. <laughs> that's what they think of when you say Huntington Beach. I know. It's bad, dude. It's really bad. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not cut from that cloth. But here's what I like about Huntington Beach. You could surf 350 days a year. Oh, it's the only place where you can do that. Thanks. That's a good reason to move there. And I'm like close to the beach, close to the freeway for where I need to get to work and everything else. It's really convenient. David. And like the, the area that I'm in, I don't see all that stuff that you're talking about, but I know it, I, I'm just kind of lying to myself. Let it me just say exist. a wise man once told me if you have to justify, rationalize or explain, then you're wrong. Who's the wise man? Jesus. Um, so <laughs> here's why I might need to move. Okay. <laughs> okay. And Let's this is this is the kook. Okay. This is the kook. The pro-Trump rally that turned into a violent brawl a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> That's did you like see a this? weekly occurrence in Huntington Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see this. Oh, gosh. Okay, 2,000 pro-Trump supporters got together to march. All with their dogs and their wallets attached to a chain. And 30 protesters <laughs> showed up to protest the march. Well, it turned in <sighs> to a fight, and there's some really radical YouTube uh, footage of it. I'll talk about that in a second. But Another I'm gonna give, Huntington Beach riot. I'm going to give you a quote. A scuffle broke out on, s- 
on uh, Southern California Beach where supporters of President Trump were marching and counter-protesters doused organizers with pepper spray. (laughs) The violence erupted when the march of about 2,000 at Bolsa Chica State Beach, which is just north of Huntington, uh, reached a group of about 30 counter-protesters. In all, three male protesters were charged with felony illegal use of the pepper spray, while one woman was booked on suspicion of misdemeanor assault and battery. Two other protesters were detained but not arrested. Two people suffered small cuts that didn't require any treatment, and no other injuries were reported. There were several other arrests, but only two minor injuries. Um, so who used the pepper spray? Check. I'll give you the full rundown. And I just saw this on YouTube, but this group of 30s marching forward and the group of – I'm sorry. The group of 2,000 is marching forward. And Pro-Trump. Group, yeah. And the group of 30 protesters – are kind of like in their face, walking backwards. It's all taking place on the sand. In their face, pointing. And the the protesters, anti-Trump, have their faces covered. It's like hood, sunglasses, and face mask, which turns out it's because they had pepper spray. They were protecting themselves. So as these things get increasingly escalates... The pepper, the guy ends up shooting pepper spray on some of the guys at the front lines. The pro-Trump guys got then, sprayed. Yeah, pro-Trump guy got sprayed. Then the protester even like shoves one of the pro-Trump guys, at which point another guy steps forward from the pro-Trump side, throws one haymaker right, hits the pepper sprayer in the jaw, guy goes down, drops like a sack of potatoes. And I'm not pro-Trump, anti, I'm just pro punching the dude in the face <laughs> who's pepper spraying fools you know what i mean Absolutely. the guy pepper sprayed fools and he's got goggles on and a face mask which is unfair he's you soft. can't show up yeah yet. that's soft dude gets clocked in the face and Instant drops in the sand karma capital and k it was awesome and th- it was one punch just boom ko then a couple of other guys start scuffling and a couple guys end up on the sand throwing punches in the guys the rolling end, around on the ground yes, in the sand rolling. in the sand in the end the There's water rushing up and over them like a scene no, from a classic romance it's a way, movie it's away from where you would make out with your chick okay. in that film but um, but point is the pro trumpers right. yes. beat up the protesters, the anti-Trumpers. Wow. And it ends up with oh. the anti-Trumper running down PCH with the pro-Trumpers chasing him with their pro-Trump signs, almost like their pitchforks, pitchforks. running after him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like burning. It's good. That's it's insane. a good fight video. That's so It's cool. a good fight video. And again, regardless of whose side you know you're what? on. God bless Huntington. I'm going to move there. Dude, I That's watched horrible. it. I was out of town that weekend. And that just happens where a lot, was. right? Is that like yeah, a normal occurrence? Apparently, dude. Apparently. <laughs> So I forget where I was, but I was out of town and I looked at this on the internet and I'm like, well, I should pack my bags when I get home. Because you really should move out. This of is how Beach. things end up. I think I'm just going to stop telling people where I live. That might be. Seal Beach is cool. Yes. Actually, Seal Beach would Seal be Seal Beach great is move. cool. Totally. Just and that's right. super close. I'm yeah. literally one mile. Seal Beach is amazing. The different cultures. Yeah. Like when you go from Huntington to Seal, all of a Huntington, sudden you feel like you're in old, old California. Yeah, totally. Seal Beach. Yeah, yeah, small town feels. So I, I told you I ran into a listener at the Cigarettes concert. His name was on Instagram is HB Sean. I was like, oh, so you're in Huntington Beach too? He's like, no, Hermosa Beach. I'm like, <laughs> oh crap! I didn't realize there was two, and that's actually a way better beach than my beach, except in terms of waves. Oh my! So that's my kook, Huntington Beach. 
All right, Scott, anything else you got there? Well, of course, we want to mention the California Gold Surf Auction. The bidding begins Friday, April 21st, and lots begin closing on Sunday, May 7th. So you're going to want to go to CaliforniaGoldSurfAuction.com, check out, preview the boards, bid on the boards, win the boards. Uh, You can download the app as well if you just go to the App Store, California Gold Surf Auction app. We have 60 incredible, unique, vintage, uh, you know, just gorgeous surfboards. Um, So if you're a collector, there's some really cool stuff. We got a really cool Andy Irons board, a bunch of stuff. We got so much cool stuff. You got to check it out. I mean, there's 60 boards. I can't sit here and give you all 60 boards, but. Will they be on display at the boardroom show? They will. Cool. They will be. All 60 boards will be on display at the boardroom show, and there'll be people there that'll help you uh, download the app and show you how to use it. It's very simple. Like most people that know how to yeah. download an app know how to download an app. But the boardroom show honoring Al Merrick, May 6th and May 7th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds, and uh, presented by U.S. Blanks. And we've got 10 shapers, David, that are competing in the shape-off. They're going to be replicating a classic Almeric design. And those 10 shapers, hopefully I can riff them off here real quick. Zach Flores, Gary McNeil, Wayne Rich, Chris Christensen, Rex Marshall. Um, Johnny Cabianca. Johnny Cabianca, Gabriel Medina's shaper. John Pizel, John John Florence's shaper. Nick Palindrani of the, Source Surfboard. The defending champ, Nick Palindrani. Draney. Kazuma. Oh. Matt Kinoshita. Matt Kinoshita. Kazuma Surfboards from Maui, representing Hawaii, along with Paisel. Ryan Sakel. Right. Is it Sakel? Or Sa- yeah, Sakel. From yeah. his dad, Huntington Beach, yep. local. Ryan. Did you say Gary McNeil? Gary McNeil from, I think, I want to say the Byron area, maybe? Central Coast, Byron? He makes Kira. Dave Rostovich's boards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a Kira Board Riders member, yeah. I think. That's 10. Those guys, did I mention Zach Flores, young yep. Zach? That's who you said. Those guys competing, Wayne Rich? Yep. Those 10 guys competing in the shape off. And of course, we got a bunch of other cool stuff, including Surfer Magazine panel discussions, which will feature Al Merrick, Britt Merrick, a bunch of guys that are going to be discussing Al Merrick's legacy. There's also a Channel Bottoms discussion channel bottom surfboards discussion there is a discussion about big wave surfboard design where can we go from here um there's a discussion on the olympics and surfing coming up we've got todd richards the nbc nbc commentator and pt peter townen and nick carroll and a lot of other really cool stuff we've got live music surfboard giveaways um a skate ramp, Car- Carver Wave Bank. So bring your skateboard and skate the Carver Wave Bank. I just booked my hotel room yesterday. So oh, I'll good. be there. Oh, yeah. good. I'll be there. I'm psyched. Um, can you hook me up with an interview with uh, Al Merrick? I can't promise that, but. Um, yeah, you can, dude. Come on. But, you guys are in tight. <laughs> um, if I could, I would. I can't promise that right now. It'll benefit everybody involved. I would love for it to happen. The world's largest surf podcast audience is listening. The world's largest? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Downline Surf Talk Radio? Yep. <laughs> to you and me, dude. To this show. Hey, now. 
By the way, we should give a shout out to Cote. He's got a new podcast. What is it called? Monday something or other? Mass. It's Monday Mass. That's a cool name for a podcast. Yeah, it's Ma- uh, Monday Action Sports Show. That's what Mass stands for. Oh, okay. So Chris Cote's got a new podcast. Um, and yeah. All right. Until next time, let's leave with some music. What should we leave to? Mm, your favorite George Harrison track to bookend the Paul McCartney that brought okay. us in. I'm going there. I've got George Harrison. He's coming up. Here's one that I really like a lot. And you'll love this one. I know you love this one, too. You ready? All right, Scott. Oh, SurfSplendorPodcast.com. Classic. Absolute classic. Right on. Thank you very much for tuning in. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is where I have all the videos that we discussed in this show, links to the articles. You can leave a comment in the comment section, or feel free to do that on Surf Splendor's Instagram page. And then, of course, we always ask, just rate and review the show in iTunes. I've gotten some really great reviews in there recently. And, you know, ranking, that helps with our ranking on iTunes, and it helps other people find the show, uh, whether they're actually looking for us or if they're just looking they type in the word surf, you know, that also helps. And it actually bumps us up in the outdoor category as well. So somebody might just be scrolling and randomly come across us and uh, be able to learn about surfing that way. So definitely rate and review there. That helps. And then share the show with friends. That's the other way that we help this show grow. Lastly, we have a donation platform on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Um, you could do that via PayPal if you want to throw a couple dimes into the bucket we would appreciate that and i guess that's all the panhandling that i have to do and promoting so with that i will just say enjoy the beatles as they sing us out and uh, i'll be back next week with an all-new episode of surf splendor until then this is david scales reminding you get back in the ocean get a couple of waves and shred on